super excited. I'm doing a podcast with my wife today, so I'm super excited. We're going to talk about Battlefield of Your Mind, and my beautiful wife is right here with me, and she's going to be helping us discover and overcome uh, the battlefield of our mind through her testimony, as well as just being able to see what we can do applicably. I got a message the other day on my DMs where somebody said, hey, so you made a video about you know how to overcome your mind and stuff like that, but you didn't give like uh, the application that I was hoping to have so that I could like be able to like personally overcome this. So I was wondering if you would be able to do that for me. And I was like, of course I would love to be able to do that. So this is going to be that. So I'm going to ask my wife some questions. Um, her name's Anna, by the way. And, uh, and then after I ask her some questions, I'm going to give some biblical insight of some application that we can use to be able to hopefully overcome these things. So anyways, with that being said, wifey, uh, I want to give you the stage to explain kind of your, I guess, journey with mental wrestles thus far. Um, you know, has it been anxiety, depression stuff? Has it just been mental attacks? What have the mental attacks been on? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, really, I would like categorize all of it as anxiety because I'm anxious about anything and everything possible. And when I first gave my life to Jesus, I feel like I did not struggle with that. I was extremely bold. I had like tons of faith. Like you couldn't convince me otherwise. Like mm -hmm. no lie was going to like, you know, pierce my mind. Like I was just, I just was fierce and I knew that I was loved by Christ and I walked in that. Yeah. And then I got um, a little bit of some wrong doctrine in my mind. Um, and <clears throat> this is why it's so important to be firm in truth and yeah. read your Bible every single day. Um, because I took that um, <clears throat> doctrine that was not correct, uh, a lot of like legalism and things like that, and um, like following rules, doing things to a T. Um, and when I started doing that, I started focusing on rather than faith, I was focusing on what I was doing and um, making sure I was doing all of the right things and looking the, the, the right way so people wouldn't, you know, doubt that I was a Christian and making sure I wasn't a hypocrite. And right. I was focusing on all of these things instead of keeping my mind in the heavenly places that I, I took my eyes off of Jesus. And I didn't even realize it. I wouldn't, like, if you would have asked me that, I would have been like, no, like, I'm fixed on Jesus every single day. Like, it would have been no thing yeah and um slowly i very gradually i just lost i hate saying this but like i feel like i actually lost my true faith like i lost my first love yeah um and that fierceness and the boldness it just just went away like i didn't have it because now since i was focused on on everything i was doing i took my eyes off the author and finisher of my faith and i put it on myself mm -hmm. and that's like the whole point of Christianity is putting your eyes on Jesus, the one who finishes your faith, the one who empowers you to, to walk in the way that he created you. And I wasn't doing that. And yeah. so because of that, I um, <clears throat> now was living in a place of fear, um, rightfully so, because mm -hmm. like I wasn't faith, like living in faith and walking that out. And um, that caused me to have fear and anxiety in all areas of my life. I didn't even 
realize that but like every yeah. little thing whereas before like you know i had an issue and i would immediately like when i was living with my mom before him and i were married i would immediately go downstairs to my room i would get on my knees and i would pray right then whatever whatever the issue was go on my knees right there and pray and i knew i wasn't even praying in fear of like oh god please like don't let this happen no it was like god right. thank you for doing this i know you're gonna do this you're a faithful father it was just this fierceful prayer and like I knew it was going to happen and it did like he showed up so many times gave me no, I mean never has given me a reason to ever live in fear and then it was like after that now it's like I'm pleading and begging with God like please don't let this happen and I'm I'm, I'm praying in a place of fear not right. knowing my identity knowing his character knowing he's good and he doesn't change and he's a faithful father and he's good to his children I wasn't I'm not I wasn't praying like that and right. so um then it was like, then I got into this place of like, where am I at? You know, am I still, I, I even had wrestles of like, am I still saved? Do I still follow Jesus? Like all of these questions that like, I would have never, ever even like, you couldn't even like, the thought wouldn't even pass my mind because like, there was no convincing me of that. Right. And now at this point, I'm living here. Like all of these thoughts, that's all I'm consumed with now, instead of praying without ceasing, I'm thinking without ceasing right. and all of these thoughts are just going through my mind and then you know then I have this thought of well if I'm even if I could even be saved then like you know why would I be doing these things how am I even having these thoughts mm -hmm. and I'm sure everybody can relate to this because I know that a lot of people struggle with this but um it it, it, it trapped me and it paralyzed me and I was stuck and it's like well yeah I definitely am not producing the fruit that I am desiring because my eyes are taken off of the author and finisher of my faith. They've been put on myself and my ability to, to walk Christianity out. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's paralyzing. Like you just get caught up and one thought stems to another. And then all of a sudden you have this tree of yeah. all of these horrible thoughts. And now you're just convinced that you're not even saved. Right. And, and I want to mention for a moment that the start was of, um, incorrect doctrine like like hearing something that was incorrect doctrine and that incorrect doctrine leading down this entire path of like now questioning everything about your faith and everything like that and hosea 4 6 says my people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge it's one of the things that's so important about christianity is being so um indoctrinated with everything that scripture says to you so that when things come your way, because it's not if they do, it's when they do, because they are inevitably going to come your way, that you'll make sure that you're not getting tossed to and fro by every woman of doctrine. And obviously everybody has wrong doctrine to some extent. Everybody's going to mess things up to whatever extent. But the more scripture that we can have beforehand, the less like we are to fall into something in the first place. And then on top of that, when we know scripture specifically, specifically because, you know, obviously, you know, my wife's story and being part of the negative doctrine that she had um, the first time that we were because we, we were dating and got engaged and then broke up and like that whole time being part of what brought her that incorrect doctrine. Like, I know that we both on uh, well, I would say she she would have been way more on the right side than I would have been on this in regards to understanding the character of God. She understood God so much as a father from what God had delivered her from, brought her to, and everything like that. And I understood God as exclusively a judge. He's got a sniper rifle. He's ready to snipe you down. Whenever you do that next thing wrong, he's there to make sure that you know that you did that thing wrong. So through my work perception of the character of God, I would then portray uh, that understanding of God onto the people around me. So I actually think that was something that I got from you where you said, you know, some, whatever your view is 
of God is going to be the way that you, you said it better than me. How did you say that? I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but it's basically, you know, you love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if you love your way or you view yourself in a way where, like he said, God is constantly, you know, condemning you, judging you. You did this wrong. You did mm-hmm. that wrong. Oh my gosh. Like this just ang- like angry God towards you. You have that view of yourself. Therefore, the way that you are going to love somebody else is the way that you love yourself. Right, right, right. And, it, and it's important that us as Christians understand when you, with your Christianity, outside of you knowing the cross and the salvation story, you making sure that you understand the character of God. It's like one of the first things that I tell people to learn when they give their lives to Jesus. Like, first thing that you need to know is, is the gospel and like the cost of being a disciple. I actually have like, y'all can check out. It's one of the links that you'll see in the description about uh, like to f- some cre- free Christian courses that, that we've made. And, and the first thing that I teach people is to understand like the cost of being a Christian right after that is immediately understanding the character of God. Because if you don't understand the character of God, then you're always going to be living in the state of questioning where you stand with God. Does God love you today? Is he going to hate you tomorrow? Or the, And that's you know the strict view of it. Then you've got the people on the other side who just believe that God's a cuddly, cuddly teddy bear and doesn't care anything they do because God is just a loving God and a forgiving God and he doesn't care. Like, And obviously that's not correct either. Like God obviously does love you. He's your father. But there's like also an answer for the sin that you've committed. So having the right view of God I believe is probably one of the first things to being able to win this battle in your mind, this warfare. And again, not that you're supposed to have perfect doctrine today or tomorrow or have everything figured out, but if you had the right view of God and that didn't waver either, do you think that you would have ever gone down this spiral to the extent that you did? Or do you think that that would have been like completely subsided? Um, I think there, I think, yes, I believe I probably still would have went down just because I don't know. It's hard because, you know, I can't like, I know it's a theoretical. Yeah, yeah. it is a theoretical. I mean, knowing the thoughts that were going through my mind, it, it's not that I, I wasn't even like considering the character of God. Mm -hmm. My view was on me. I was looking at what I was doing, what I wasn't doing. Right. Maybe, maybe I wouldn't have, if I would have known that like, you know, it wasn't about my works. Like mm-hmm. my faith produces the works. Right. And then, you know, it could have been, but it's just, so I, when that scripture talks about a little leaven, leaven's a whole dough. Right. Like, th- like legalism is one of the most, in my opinion, is one of the most toxic things that you can ever go down. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of those things that will literally, it will trip you up so bad. And it's so important to, to keep yourself at the feet of the father and, yeah. and continuously keeping your eyes on him because the moment you take your eyes off of him and put them on yourself, um, yeah, it's the moment when you're setting yourself up for disaster. Right, right. Scripture says in Second Corinthians that we're supposed to take every thought captive and make it subject and obedient to Jesus. And in this video that I made, one of my buddies was like, hey, bro, great scripture, great concept. How do I do that? And I was like, yeah, good, good point, good point. Uh, so I want I want to address what it looks like to be able to do that because I think that um, just talking about a bunch of scriptures about like oh keep your mind in the heavenlies you know keep your eyes fixed on Jesus like all these things are great but if not shown and explained applicably they're not going to benefit anything so what does it mean to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus I think that the first thing that you need to understand is we are to Colossians three says to keep your minds fixed in the heavens where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 
if your mind is focusing on things of the world, the likelihood of you having your uh, thoughts being able to be held captive and brought obedient to Jesus is pretty unlikely because you're thinking about the world's things, not Jesus's things. So the first thing is you just need to be thinking about heavenly things. So what does that mean? Does that mean just sit in a corner and just like really, really hard, just be like heaven, 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 heaven? Like, no. Um, Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. And if the light that comes into that is uh, darkness, then how great is that darkness? I believe that the number one, this is the most unfun, lame, boring answer, but it's the actual answer. They will solve the problem for, I would say, 90 plus percent of people in regards to this battle of their mind with thinking of negative things versus things of the kingdom is what they're letting in. They're letting all this horrible stuff in. You're watching inappropriate TV shows, inappropriate movies, listening to inappropriate uh, music. And again, I'm not talking about like drugs, nudity, like, like obvious. I think those things are the obvious things, but just things that are not bringing glory to Jesus. When those things are constantly coming in and no, what I did not just say is you're not allowed to do those things that it's a sin to do those things. Uh, the nudity is unquestionably sin, but I'm saying like, you know, you listening to a song that is just like, you know, on, you know, whatever your popular radio station is, that's not necessarily a Christian song. Like it doesn't mean it's a sin to listen to that. But when you're letting nothing in your mind, in your eyes, other than things that are not from Jesus, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out of a man. But what comes out of a man is what is coming through the eye at first. And if we're just letting a bunch of junk in, then I promise nothing but junk is going to be coming back out. So, so make sure that you don't have a bunch of junk coming into your mind. I find when I'm talking to people, whether it comes into actually living in habitual sin or just mentally being in a place of suffering, it almost always starts with the things that they're consuming. I'm playing video games all day long and I haven't read my Bible in months. Well, I think I know what we need to cut out. Like usually when you just talk with somebody, like they'll just break it down for you. They'll just straight up say, so man, I, I, I fell back into pornography. Well, how did it start? Well, I started getting on my phone late at night started scrolling all around Instagram. Next thing I saw this girl, thought she was really attractive. She was just dressed as she should have been. And then they got me thinking and then I went to a website and then now here we are. Do you have any advice on what I should do, Cody? Yes, I do actually. <laughs> I do now that you mention it. You'll never believe what the advice is either. Get off social media. Like you, you just answered your own question and you asking me what to do. So um, that, that's the first obvious is get the junk out of your mind and then replace it with Christian things. And, and, and then I know, I know people are going to be like, what are you saying, Cody? That I need to only listen to Christian music, that I only should watch Christian related, you know, movies and TV shows. I'm not saying you have to do that, but would it be all that bad if that's what you did? Like, like think about how much worse off you would be in your life from a happiness standpoint, peace standpoint, joy standpoint. If you got rid of all those secular things, would it hurt? No. Here's another question to go even a little deeper. And again, I'm not telling you not allowed to do those things. I have plenty of friends who love Jesus with everything in them. And they, on occasion, will listen to secular music, watch secular TV. You can take it a step further. In Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying the, um, the, the Lord's Prayer. And he says to bring it on earth as it is in heaven. We're supposed to bring heaven onto earth, down to earth. If we're bringing heaven down to earth, do we think that in heaven you will have that secular TV show? Will the office, let's get real with it. Will the office be in heaven? The stupidest show. <laughs> See, and I used to watch it. I've watched the series like six times through. I'm not joking, like completely through six times. But now when I look back and think, was that really what I should have been doing with that time? Will I be able to watch the office in heaven? I think everybody would unquestionably say, well, obviously you're not going to be watching the office in heaven. Okay, why would I want it on earth then? 
If heaven's all that magnificent, all that great, all that beautiful, all that powerful, I understand that we don't have all aspects of heaven today just because, you know, heaven is on earth, that we will have in the eternal heaven one day. I get that, and I get that they're not completely the same. Still, if I'm not going to have the office then, is it okay if I don't have it now? It's just something to think about because I think a lot of people don't think that way. They think, well, it's bringing me temporary satisfaction, therefore why not? Mm -hmm. And you're allowed to. Again, like there's no scripture like to you – uh, who doesn't feel conviction or, or like it's it's t- breaking your conscience, violating your conscience, 1 Corinthians 8, Romans 14, you're allowed to do that. No one's stopping you from doing that. But reconsider that, especially, it's a, I think it's a clear cut and dry, stop doing it if you know it's leading you into sin. Mm-hmm. Like that should be clear cut and dry. So did you want to say something on that? I was just going to say, um, I know that there's been like um, things for me personally that, I had um, like interest in or whether it was interest or habit um, that I would do like consistently that just wasn't really profitable. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like, I shouldn't say it wasn't hurting anything. In my mind, it wasn't hurting anything, but it also just wasn't really profitable. Um, this is where like your relationship with Jesus comes in mm. like so heavy is like, even on the small things like that of trying to, you know, whether it's watching the office through six, whatever you just said, <laughs> or if it's, you know, scrolling through your Instagram and right. you, know, you need to get rid of Instagram or whatever, fill in the blank, whatever it may be asking for his help, like yeah. coming to him like a child, like you would, when you can't fix something, you can't fix mm. your toy and it broke and you go to your dad and say, dad, can you please fix this? Come to him with as small as that issue that you have is and ask him to help you. Because right. like when you're asking for the spirit to lead you, Galatians five talks about when, when, the spirit is leading you. You have all the fruits of the spirit, right. but when the flesh is leading you, then the deeds of the flesh are, are going to con- consume you. And so yeah. when you're asking and desiring Jesus to lead you in these things, like he's a good father and, and he gives good gifts to his children. Like he's going to give you the strength to let that go. And not only at the strength, but he's going to give you the de- desire. He's going to give you a distaste for the things that, that, you know, whether you don't need or, um, you really shouldn't be having, maybe it yeah. is, you know, sent to you and you're just kind of like, you know, pushing that conviction to the side, whatever it may be, right. regardless, he's going to give you the desire to, um, you know, spend your time on things that are pleasing to him and that are going to, to, to benefit the kingdom in the end. Right. And I think that's the difference between legalism and a love relationship is it's different. I'm saying no more secular TV, bad office. Don't do that bad versus me saying, Hey, I consider you, I, I would encourage you to pray or pray and reconsider whether you should be watching the office or not. And then you take this in prayer to Jesus and be like, Lord, like, like, like David says, like search the inward innermost parts of my heart, innermost parts of my being. And like, show me if there's a fault in me, show me Lord. And I, I want to be able to address those issues. And if after that you really feel, again, I'm not saying God's going to audibly be like Steve Carell is dope. Like, I don't think that's going to happen, but like, like <laughs> it, it, you know, you could leave that and be like, I really do feel at peace about watching The Office. Cool. Keep watching The Office. Like, I'm not going to stop you from doing it. But I'm strongly convinced that many things in your life, just like many things in my life, in my prayer time, I'm like, probably shouldn't have done that. Probably shouldn't have said that. Probably should cut that out. When you pray and actually ask God humbly, search my heart. Like, I'm like James 1, like, like he who lacks wisdom, ask for it. And God is going to give it to you without measure. Like, God, I'm lacking wisdom in this area. I, have, I, I might have the knowledge on what right and wrong is, but I'm asking you to help me apply that knowledge, which is wisdom, in this circumstance. God, help me do that. Like, what does it look like to help me not have these bad thoughts? Does that look like me giving up the office? If it is, then do it. 
If not, cool, keep doing it. And, and just, I would encourage you to search your heart in all of those areas. You know, t- Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 talks about how we should, our bodies are living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to the ways of this world, but transformed by the renewal of your mind. And that we're supposed to be a, a holy and pleasing sacrifice that is, is wholly acceptable to God. Because our life is a living sacrifice. We're constantly should be laying things on the altar and be like, Jesus, I'm, I'm willing to give this up for you. My financial security, I'm willing to give that up for you. My relationship that I maybe shouldn't be in right now, I'm willing to give up for you. Um, my family, I'm willing to give up for you because you mean more to me than all these things. And you'll see, Jesus will, will give you that clarity because he wants, remember, he wants you to live in purity and holiness way more than you do. So if you ask him to search your heart in those things, he, he wants to reveal it to you more than you want it revealed to you. So he'll do it because he's a good father, and that's the kind of thing a good father would do. I want to read in James 1 as well. It says, let no one who is being tempted say, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be, or tempt, uh, be tempted by evil, for he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one, when he is tempted, he is carried away by his own entices and lusts. When we have mental battles, mental struggles, mental attacks— James right here, Jesus's bro, makes a really clear distinction. You sin because you wanted to. The devil didn't make you do it. It wasn't one of his demons that forced your hand on it. You wanted to do it, so you did it. And also, this is the battle of the, this is what spiritual warfare is, right? Like, like you were mentioning about Galatians 5. Like, your flesh wants to do something, and your spirit really does want to do the other thing. So your flesh really did want to do that sin, though. And, and it is a wrestle because you can say, well, Cody, I really didn't want to do it. I really wanted to do what Jesus wanted me to do. And I believe that. That's the spirit speaking in you. But also your flesh is fighting and going, man, but I really want to watch the office even though the Lord just told me I shouldn't do it. Like there's that battle that's happening. But understand, first off, you're responsible for the sin that you committed. It's not the devil didn't make you do it. Nobody else made you do it. You made you do it. But with that being said, it starts here. Lust. When we see Jesus say, you have heard of prophets of old, do not commit adultery. But I say, whoever has looked upon a woman with lust has committed adultery with them in his heart. Lust is not physical. There's nothing physical that's happening with lust. It's something that's happening in the mind. It's equally as much sin. It's just in the mind. He says, you've heard of prophets of old, do not murder. But I say, whoever hates his brother has already committed murder. Hate is not physical. You're not physically doing anything when you're hating somebody. It's mental. But it's equally as much sin. Lust transpires in the mind. And that's why this mind conversation is so imperative to understand. If we can trap something when it comes into our mind, you can't help what comes into your mind, right? I mean, I, I think we've all had that where like you just have a thought one day where you're just like, I could kill myself. Like, and you're not even suicidal. Like you just had a random thought and it was like, whoa, what? Like, you know, or, or like a, a thought to physically hurt somebody or a random thought to, to just do anything sinful that you would, or, or like, you know, like theft. You know, I, I've had that before where I was doing financially wealth and I just had an idea come to my mind like, you can just take that and walk out if you wanted. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, I could, but like, why would I do that? Like, you know, um, and my point about saying like financially stable is like, is that like I was broken? Like, you know, like, oh my gosh, like I, I really want that pack of gum, but I can't afford it right now. It's like, no, I was like, I, I'm not like worried about money. And I saw the thought come into my mind. The thought coming into your mind is not sin. If it is sin, Jesus was sinning in Matthew four when he was being tempted by the enemy. Thoughts coming into your mind, you cannot help. Those things will come. And the enemy wants to use those things to deceive you. The enemy can tempt you with thoughts, right? I mean, that's what the scripture is saying. It's saying, God, don't, don't blame God for the tempting. The enemy is the one tempting you, but you're the one that does something with that temptation, right? Just like the devil in Matthew 4 says, you know that you could eat right now, right? You know that you could have all of the kingdoms in the world, right? And Jesus, the, the, the thing that's so powerful about this, back to the whole 
My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Jesus responds with scripture. And notice everything that the enemy tempted him with was an identity thing. It was an identity thing about where you are or who you are. You know, you could have everything that you want. He's like, what do you mean I can have everything I want? I have everything I need and it's found in the Father. Like his identity is found in, in, in who he has, not in the stuff that he has. And it's not found in finding some sort of worldly or natural justification. And, and even when the enemy tells him to like to jump off the, the cliff, he says like, I, I like, like he goes right back to an identity response, you know? And again, you know, you could eat right now. Man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4. Like he immediately brings it right back to what God says about what's keeping him firmly rooted and grounded. And it's him having this knowledge of scripture that allows him to combat it. And back to your point in regards to you being like led astray with like incorrect doctrine even more important why you need good doctrine because the enemy will twist and pervert scripture like he did with Jesus to be able to try to get you on the wrong path. You already knew the identity of God and other people were able to come in like me and convince you out of that because of a warped view that we had about the identity of God. You know what I mean? And if we can just be like, no, I'm so firmly rooted and grounded in this. So I'm not tossed to and for why every woman of doctrine. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I actually just wanted to add something in that um, you just said that reminded me mm-hmm. when I first met Cody and um, there was like a group of other people that were, that he had um, fellowshiped with daily. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the reasons that I allowed myself to be so infatuated with, um, I don't want to say this, but, in a way, them, and um, I don't want to say who they were, but when I saw them, I was, like, pretty newly saved. Um, I don't know exactly how many years I was saved at that point, but um, I just saw that they knew a lot of scripture, and um, they they just, like, were, like, devout, and they fellowship daily, and, and all those things, and I, like, I admired all of that, and yeah. I was like, man, like, these people, like, really love Jesus, and I think because of that um, admiration and that like, mm-hmm. ooh, ah, type of um, view of them, I didn't realize this was happening, but I almost, instead of, you know, ooing and aahing over Jesus, mm. I had taken that ooh and awe and admiration off of Jesus and onto his people. Mm-hmm. And this is why it is so important for like, whether it's, you know, influencers on YouTube or if it's at your church, your pastor or fill in the blank, whatever person that is, you know, usually speaking or if it's singing or whatever, it is so important to make sure that your heart is not um, idolizing them. Because I think that if I were to not have idolized them and my view of them would not have been so high, but I would have understood that they're human just like I'm human. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I actually would have fell into, um, or at least as deep into um, the issues that I had fell into, if I would not have had such a high view of them. Right. And I think that a lot of that comes back as well to us as Christians, when you don't have fellowship for so long, which was kind of your scenario, it's like you give your life to Jesus, you're super zealous, super passionate, everything, but like no one's there to fellowship with you. And then when you finally find somebody, it's such a huge like breath of fresh air. It's like you do anything and everything to be part of it and everything. And then it ended up like, you know, not being a fully beneficial thing. Um, So, no, I appreciate you saying that. The uh, rest of this James 1 passage says, 
It says, but each one who is tempted, he is carried away by his own lust. And when that lust conceives, it gives birth to sin when it is accomplished. And then from sin brings forth death. Your lust in your mind, if it is not caught in your mind and combated with the truth of scripture, it will immediately go to your hand to doing whatever that action is. And then from that, we all know that, you know, like Roman says, the wages of sin is death. So if we can't catch something in our mind, then we're um, obviously, obviously, or excuse me, in our mind, then yeah, we're obviously going to bring that to our hand and then that's going to cause us to live in a place of sin. I, I've heard some teachers, preachers before say the solution to this problem of your mind running wild is just still your mind. Maybe you're too busy and maybe that's the problem. Maybe you have too much going on in life. Maybe you are too anxious. Maybe you're worrying about too many things. Therefore, if you can just calm yourself, maybe take an hour of just complete quietness per day, then this will stop the constant motion in your mind. I've heard that taught before. Although I think that there is some truth to relaxing, slowing down. We were just talking about that in bed last night. Like, like you know, the whole idea of running, running, like, go, 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 is like maybe not always the most beneficial thing to always be doing. But to teach somebody, and I believe this, I believe this for a long time, and it actually, it really, really bothered me. It didn't like cause me to like live or fall into any sin, but it did really, really irritate me because I was like, man, I must be broken because all I, I literally, I vividly remember at my parents' house when I gave my life to Jesus, on my knees, because I thought that you had to pray on your knees, uh, <laughs> oh, like, across my bed, like what you see in like the pictures, you know, like that kind of that kind of thing, and. And, and I remember trying so, this is going to sound so funny, so hard to get everything out of my mind. The, literally, I'm not playing with you. The thought that came into my mind, this is going to sound so stupid, that would get me to help my mind get completely blank and clear was there's a scene in SpongeBob where they walk into this room and it's like completely oh. white room. Do you know what scene I'm talking about? No. And like these like little black squares would like kind of like fall up and like go up. And I was like, like, that's what my mind needs to be like. Like if I can just be in that room, all the black squares fell away and it's just me. And just Jesus, then I'll be good. And like maybe for like a tenth of a second, it worked. And then immediately thoughts just kept crowding in my mind and what I'm doing later and what I'm, oh, I'm hungry now. And oh, I kind of got to pee. And like all these thoughts came back into my mind. It was extremely discouraging because I was like, what am I not getting about this whole like battlefield of your mind thing? And then later on, I heard a preacher named Dan Moeller. And he was like, for anybody who's going to tell you that you can still your mind from going crazy all the time is like really silly. Like you cannot stop your mind from going. Your mind's going a million miles per hour all the time and you're never going to be able to stop that. What you can choose though is what your mind is going to be running in circles about. And when I thought of that, I was like, I'm not insane. Like I'm not crazy. Like this makes so much sense. I just need to have my mind thinking on the right things and it's not going to feel anxious. It's not going to feel crazy. It's not going to feel this high pressure like I'm going to constantly fall into sin. And for me personally, at least, that kind of comfort and understanding that I just need to change what I'm thinking about, it was a total game changer for me. And in Philippians 4, it talks about how we're supposed to be praying without ceasing or three, three or four, maybe two, two, three or four. It's not one. Um, it's in it, yeah, it's in Philippians. <laughs> uh, it's actually not. It's in First Thessalonians 5. Just remember that. I pray without ceasing. <laughs> I just remember. I was like, no, that's not it. Both of us. <laughs> Be thankful. Yeah, right. Be thankful in all circumstances. Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. First, or first Thessalonians 5. 
But like you praying without ceasing is about this communion and this relationship that you personally have with Jesus. And I, I want you to expound on that because I feel like that's like so your wheelhouse in regards to just like fellowship with Jesus and what how you can be praying without ceasing all day long, even at your job when you're not literally on your knees. Um, there's so many like points that I can <laughs> hit on this. Um, one passage in Psalms it talks about um, meditating on his law day and night. I, that is one of my favorite passages because it's like, you can just tell the, the writer in that is like just so intimate and in awe of, of God's word. And um, just the concept of meditating on it. A lot of times when you think of like meditating, you think of like, you know, Cody was talking earlier about, you know, making your your uh, mind a blank space and and just being still and being quiet like yeah I definitely can't do that either but when you're meditating on his law and whether that's you know um, for me sometimes what I'll do is you know I'll I'll find a a verse um, that that really I feel like the Lord is hitting on or is trying to um, speak to me through I'll take that verse and I'll just meditate on that throughout my day like I'll just be like you know am I doing this right now and and I'll remember the passage and be like okay well how can I apply this mm-hmm. to my life how can I do this Jesus like show me how to how this like plays out in my my life today um that I think is one aspect of that is just um meditating on his his word whether that's you know when you're sitting down and eating a bowl of cereal for breakfast reading you know a, a passage of scripture mm-hmm. or you know yesterday you know my uh, daughter was sleeping and I'm in the car and I'm you know writing in my journal and just like you know praying and and thinking of that just little little things where you're like don't tell yourself like you know I don't have time to read right now like because I know a lot mm-hmm. of times when people think about you know reading um, they think that they have to like carve out like two hours of time because right. you got to make sure that you pray before you, and then you read. You got to read so many passages and then after pray afterwards. I mean, I, maybe you don't, but <laughs> I used to think that way. <laughs> but like, so then like you know when I'm when I was doing this is things that I would do when I had first got saved. Like I, w- I was reading all the time when mm-hmm. I was waiting to go into work. I would always get there ten minutes early. I would read a passage and yeah. then when I had a moment at work, I was a waitress. Uh, when I had a moment at work where it was like I wasn't doing anything, everything was done, I would read a passage. Mm-hmm. And then before I would drive home, when I would get in the car, I would read a passage. And like before you know it, like, you know, you don't even realize because you're just so in love with the Lord that you just can't help but meditate on his law day and night. Right. That all day long and while you're working and while you're doing those things, you're actually thinking about all of the, the things that you just read. Right, and, right. and you're able to keep your mind in that place. And, and it even causes you to have more of a love for him because he's speaking to you and and when he speaks like it is so it just draws you and you're just like oh my gosh like why have i not why am i not doing this more like i just i can't get enough of you and it's like then you keep reading and it's it's like it's addicting and then the next thing you know it's all you're thinking about yeah like you didn't even try it's just like it's what you consume what comes into you it's it's gonna come back out so if that's all that's coming into your eye then the thing that's gonna be coming out of you constantly is you hearing 